Hey guys, uh, hope you're okay here with FC Wonder Kid episode 8 here with my guy, Brendan. How are you? Huh. How am I? How am I? That's that's a tough thing to say. I'm, I'm much better now. Much better than uh, than what we saw yesterday. Yeah, the, it was tough to watch uh, the Eriksen situation. Yeah. Because I'm sure that's that's what you're referring to. Um, yeah, that's about the only thing I could think about. And uh, still still dominates both our minds because you, you and I have been back and forth about everything surrounding it. And that's just, it's one of those things where you just, you're just so happy that, that it ended. Well, he's not fully out of the woods yet. We want to make sure that, yeah, he's getting testing. He's getting everything like that. But it, it obviously ended with, with him coming off. And, and there's that one picture of him, you know, looking at everybody. Well, not looking at everybody, but yeah. essentially he was okay um, and conscious. And he was able to talk to his teammates. And uh, we're just, just happy to hear that. But man, that was a that was an event that I think uh, for all of us we'll be talking about for years and years and years to come. And there's so many pot, not, there's so many um, mistakes that are that are made in situations like that when you're when you're covering something like that. I mm-hmm. it it just yeah I'm just so happy he's he's all right right now. And uh, so many so many amazing moments uh, during that in such a harrowing harrowing time, right? Yeah, like. The, the, the power of uh, Simone Kerr, um to essentially just take the situation, uh, realize he can only control what he can control, which was his teammates, which was uh, providing support. Um, uh, oh, he was he was just a rock, uh, as he has been, as we've seen as a footballer, but also also as a person. And then Casper Schmeichel, too. Um, but there were just scenes there that we shouldn't – we just shouldn't have witnessed. We shouldn't have. Um but I don't know. I love that you're highlighting. I wanted to highlight that too. How the team showed incredible spirit and a manifestation of how we how we should uh, react to that situation, not as players but as humans. Because mm-hmm. what we were seeing was, to be honest, we were watching someone die live. Yeah. And it's quite. I was quite shocked how everything was being shown, but. I like to highlight too, and you said it, how the captains of Denmark reacted. Schmeichel speaking to, we shouldn't have seen him speaking to his wife, but seeing that he did it, uh, you can see that he was really on top of the situation. And I'm sure that Ericsson is, he's proud of how his teammates reacted because it was, it it was fantastic to see how they reacted. And in that wall that they built, oof, it was it was Kyer and uh, and Schmeichel that were both inward, looking at him, watching, you know, hoping for the best. And uh... true, and you, we know we got to know that afterwards, Eriksson told his teammates to play the match, which mm. it's quite heroic, heroic if you ask me. But mm-hmm. should they have played it? Because yeah. Finland won it, and it's an upset. To be honest, I think this is the biggest upset until now. Finland winning it, yeah, and. I wouldn't have played the match. I, I think it was too much of a shock. And I don't think it was fair. But schedules, timelines, especially now with COVID, UEFA really wants to make a match happen if all the fans are already there. Yeah. So. And, and, and let's be honest. Let's be honest. It, it would have gone down a whole lot differently if, if things had gone southward and there wasn't 
And there wasn't progress on the front of, you know, there was the UEFA statement, then there was the Danish Federation's uh, confirmation uh, that he was awake. Um, I mean, it, it just, it surprised the crap out of me when I got that push notification that 2.30 start time, um, it, it's coming back on and half of me, three quarters of me was, it was absolutely pissed off. Um, but it just, just, it should have never, I mean, well, we, it is, it happened, man. It, it happened. We need to, need to deal with it, but other matches happened too. So let's focus on the, the bright side. Ericsson's alive. And so do you have any, any thoughts? I'd like to say, I'm pretty surprised at how, how solid Italy looked. Yeah, they looked really good. I, I think Italy not having a start. They'd have Immobile, but he's mm-hmm. not that Baggio, Pirlo. You know that superstar conducting the the offense. They don't have it. Like the 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 star of Italy is the group. It's not any individual. It's the group. Right. Uh, Spinazzola, fantastic yeah. performance from Spinazzola. Mm-hmm. Barella all over the place. Jorginho, you couldn't take the ball off Jorginho. That's what he's really good. You know, the offensive passes, yeah, he lacks a bit creativity-wise. But with having the security and a teammate to always pass as an option, Jorginho's fantastic. Ah, and, and we're not even talking about the absence of Verratti. I mean, you add that to the bunch. I don't know who the odd man out is, right? And but Locatelli uh, was there, right? Locatelli was there, and he was he was solid. I mean, they 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 did exactly what they needed to do. But you you highlighted Immobile um, to begin with uh, before the game. Uh, I said Insigne would also have an impact, and uh, they they both did. And yeah, I mean, they're very much uh, kind of stepping their way from dark horse to um, outside favorite. Wait, that's probably the same thing. Uh, <laughs> but, but I was surprised that Chiesa didn't start. Yes, he put yeah. Berardi. And I think I think next match he should change that because Chiesa Berardi was a little bit mm, here and there. I yeah. would say I don't think he was the right choice. So let's see. Let's yeah. look forward one, to one thing. I gotta say, I, I you know this Turkish team obviously you you, you had people on either end of the fence um, with them about what they could do at this tournament. Uh, this is obviously going to put a lot of that into question. Um, but they, they've got to inject, not that this, this, in our eyes, injecting a little youth into things, uh, tends to, uh, do really well or, or push them to do a little bit better. I mean, right now you had Demerol. Demerol, unfortunately was the, the own goal culprit. Um, but aside from that, I mean, you had the Lille spine of Yilmaz and Yaziki and, uh, Celik, but there was, there was really nothing inspiring coming from that. And you've got guys like uh, Orkin Koksu, I probably pronounced that terribly, uh, Sengiz Under, and uh, Halil, Halil, I'm not even going to try that last name, but you have some of these young guys that really should have been brought on maybe a little bit sooner than they were to to provide a spark. Now, I believe Under did come in um, right after right after halftime, but uh, I do hope the Turkish team bounces back, and we do know that with, uh, with this type of a uh, competition – one loss does not kill you. It just doesn't. doesn't now, do. losing three zip, that does hurt because goal difference does mean a whole lot moving forward. But uh, I hope they do bounce back and get a little younger moving forward. Um, well, yeah, I think you got it right. And a player like Yilmaz, he, 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 age isn't helping. And 
having the youth around, getting those balls, passing him at the right place at the right time, he'll yeah. score goals. Yeah. And I felt during the game, it, he, the, it was very heavy on him. Like pressing yeah. on the center backs, Italy used their cards extremely well, in my sure. opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, next topic, I think we got an interesting one here for everyone who likes to remember the names and have a short list of youngsters here. So we wanted to do an under-21 team of the Euros. So the best under-21 players in the Euros. Well, first, you don't want to talk about that England-Croatia game we just watched? Oh, yeah. Let's go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Because we'll we'll be, I'm sure we'll be, um, we'll be linking back to, to the, yeah, obviously you're going to hear. Oh, yes, we are. About but, uh, the, the England game, I was surprised that Trippier was yeah. at left back. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I think Mount is now a guaranteed starter for every game. I agree. Because Mount was a real threat constantly, combining a lot with Sterling. Mm-hmm. The That left side, that, though, that link up between Sterling and Mount was really good. And I think having Foden on the other end is always a really good threat creative-wise and yeah. speed-wise. Yeah. Foden is such a... He can be on the wing by himself, Foden. Yeah. He's so special that he can be on the wing and he's always a threat. Yeah, and he, because he, he can cross it on. in. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, cr- he can cross it in. He can shoot the ball. It, it, went, to, it, it went to the post. Yep. Uh, if he had scored that with the, the new haircut, people would have yeah. gone wild. But, uh, yeah, 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 it's so, yeah, that's what I, I think Ben Shilwell should play at left back. Okay. I wasn't really impressed. Trippier was good, but he wasn't, yeah. he wasn't, I don't think, I don't get it. I don't get it, honestly. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I, I gotta say something. I mean, Foden did kind of trail off, um, near the end. Uh, but that, that er, those early moments are pretty much, he's going to grow into this tournament even more, uh, get more comfortable. And I just loved, I love that that matchup existed. Foden versus uh, Josko Gavardial um, from Croatia playing on the left there. Uh, 19 year old uh, RB Leipzig will be going there and you had Phil Foden um, and that, <laughs> that first uh, moment or first real uh, involvement from Phil Foden uh, was just great. I mean, put enough separation between them. It was slotted through. Uh, he hit it really nicely, and I honestly thought that that was going to carry him off the uh, inside of the post and in the net. Um, but no, it took. You ready for this? You you actually gave me flack for this. It took Raheem Sterling to win the game. I think I, I gave you flack because Sancho's not playing. And I know. I, I want Sancho to play. And honestly, do I think if Sancho had played, England would have won? I think it's a possibility too. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's. I agree with you that Foden will grow even better. Mm-hmm. And but I agree. But Sterling, he Sterling did what he had to do. You he know. Did. So and the narrative is the there. Yeah. He exactly. Was, so, he was born. He was born a couple minutes down the road, um, playing at a stadium. Uh, that obviously is new, uh, wasn't there when he was born, right? Uh, but ultimately, uh, he winds up scoring the game winner, uh, match winner, probably should have had another. Um, and I, I mean, I, I have to say, it, it's bizarre to think that is his first goal at a major mm-hmm. tournament. First goal at a major tournament. So um, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't spell 
um, well, things well for Jaden Sancho moving forward. Um, but you never know. I mean, I think there's going to be a little rotation here. But Foden um, did have a dip because Perisic was coming back defending, though. Right. Okay. That that wasn't happening at the start, and they were marking two players then. And when mm -hmm. that happened, he couldn't he couldn't do the 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 shots that he was doing that led to the goal going to the post. Yeah, and do you so, think this? Do you think this uh, English defensive spine, um, as depleted as it as it seemingly is, uh, you think it's good enough to win this this championship, win this I title? Think, I think that it, it it was good enough to beat Croatia right now, but okay. against France. I think Benzema is gonna is gonna is gonna make Mings regret being there. <laughs> I can say that. This is not, it's a bold statement, but uh, I don't. Uh, I think he he impressed me. He impressed me uh, in this match, uh, Tyron Mings. But I don't think it's enough. Uh, but Walker at right back, solid, solid player. But even pick. There was a moment there. Where Walker just uh, saved the ball and Pickford looked at him and he was like, "It's it must be amazing to have defenders like this on your team." You know, that's the feeling I had. Yeah. Well, uh, a, and Jude Bellingham, Jude Bellingham. Yeah, that's that's what we that's what you wanted to lead up, right, to the I new did. topic. <laughs> Come on, you know, youngest youngest footballer ever. Uh, yeah, youngest Jude, ever in Yeah, Jude Bellingham became the youngest player to to play in the Euros. And some, uh, and some did you see our... what Mourinho said about him? Did you see what Mourinho said about Jude Bellingham? No, what did he say? He said Jude Bellingham should start right oh. now for for England. He Over is who? that special. Oh yeah, Over he who? should start. Uh, he wouldn't. He wouldn't have. He wouldn't have played Calvin. I don't know. I don't think he would have played. I'm not sure though. But I saw the clip on Talksport just yeah. to give a mention where, and um, he said that Jude Bellingham he's special, he, special. He so that Jude. Yeah, you do. <laughs> uh, so Jude Bellingham said that no, uh, Jude Bellingham has received huge compliments of Mourinho and Pep Guardiola, and he's 17. Yeah, I don't think I think he'll have another season at Dortmund, and I don't know. It'll be hard to keep him there. Yeah, it'll be I hard think... to keep him there. And I'll just say it: he's in my under 21 team of the tournament. Okay. Well, shocker, because you know he's in mine as well. He's in mine as well. But you, you have to, you do have to applaud him. I mean, the, the kid plays, the, the kid plays with a cool head on his shoulders. Uh, at 17 years old, he's obviously playing well advanced in years. Uh, you don't just throw a 17 year old on the field. But as we said at the beginning of this, right? Bellingham makes the roster. If a Casper Kozlowski from Poland makes the roster. They're not bringing them just to, you know, say, oh, you're going to have a wonderful experience here, right? Mm -hmm. You're bringing them because they're, they do something different, right? Oh, they have an impact. And, yeah. uh, and the funny thing is, is tomorrow, if Kasper Kozlowski's in that starting 11, bye-bye record for Jude Bellingham. <laughs> bye-bye record, you know? Uh, But... Not that Jude went into this saying, yeah, you know, I want to make history being the youngest footballer uh, you know, ever to play in the Euros, but... Uh, But man, that's it's pretty cool having two 17-year-olds that are that are gonna have an impact for for their respective teams. But it'll be a record itself having two youngsters being yeah. the youngest and actually beating the record on top of it. We're just so lucky now talking 17, about youngsters and all this is happening. Years old, man. We could, <sighs> we're gonna be talking about them for the next six years. You and I are gonna be old and gray by the time they even crack one <laughs> you know, graduate wonder kid status. Oh right. man.
Uh, so I th I'm going to start so with my under 21 team of the Euros. So this is the topic, guys. And I'm going to go with a 4-2-3-1 tactic. Uh, goalkeeper, Trubin. Uh, left back, you know who's coming. I'm going to go <laughs> bold, Nudminch. <laughs> then uh, Kvardiol. Is it Kvardiol the way you say it? I'm, I'm yeah, butchering that, it. That sounded, that sounded better than the way I said it. Yep. Okay, Dinam Zagreb, center back that's playing at left back. Mm -hmm. uh, then I'm going to go Delict because Delict is Delict. Mm -hmm. Then Reese James. And my two midfielders, uh, Jude Bellingham and Pedri. Because... If any, if a team had Jude Bellingham and Pedri, they'd have the future secured and the present, okay? Because mm -hmm. these two, pff, you talked about the maturity from Jude. Pedri is mature too. And the, the first touch, the technique, the quality above the rest. And then the in front of Jude and Pedri, I'd have Sancho at the right, mm -hmm. Felix in the middle, and at the left, Foden. So, I'd have Sancho, mm -hmm. Felix, Foden. And then up front, uh, Ferran Torres. I, like Fe I put Ferran Torres above Isaac because Ferran Torres just impressed me so much in that end stretch at Man City. And, uh, and in the friendly against Portugal, he was a stud. And yeah, yeah that's my wow, team. That's, that's interesting. That's so, interesting. And you put Ruben, him up top. Truben, Nunminch, Delict, Guardiol, Rhys James, then Pedri, Jude, Foden, Felix, Sancho, and up front, Ferran Torres. That's my under-21 team of the season. Okay. There you and go. that was a 4-2-3-1. All right. And that's pretty mm -hmm. much exactly what I've got. Uh, not not personnel-wise, but uh, okay. formation-wise. And uh, yeah, goalkeeper Trubin. Unfortunately, uh, you know, we just saw the lineups. Right, we're recording this on Saturday, Sunday, yeah, Sunday. Sunday. <laughs> oh, lost track of time. Uh, we're recording it on Sunday, right before the Netherlands-Ukraine uh, game. And Trubin, unfortunately, as expected, is is not going to be the starter. It's Boomshin, mm -hmm. I believe. Um, and unfortunately, that means he likely won't be the starter throughout the whole tournament. Uh, but there aren't many U21 goalkeepers in this tournament, right? Yeah. So. Uh, Anatoly Trubin, who is one to watch, he will lead. He will lead that. He will be the goalkeeper for years to come for Ukraine. Um, left back, I've also got Nuno Mendes. Uh, center back, I've got the Ligt, and it does look like he'll be a hundred percent, even though he's not starting. Today. You scared me. You scared me in episode seven. I did, but he is not starting, so he's going to miss one. And I did. You know, I did. I tried to pour a little, uh, you know, cold water on things to, to make sure I wasn't being an alarmist. Um, but yeah, Delig is is gonna sit out this one, and it's a tricky matchup today for Netherlands uh, versus Ukraine. But anyway, let me go back back to the beginning. We got goalkeeper Truman, uh, mm -hmm. left back Mendes, uh, center back Delig, center back Zubarni. Okay. Right back, I have Reese James. Although I really wanted to put Urian Timber there. Um, even though he plays center back, Good I believe mention. he can play on the right too. Uh, I've got on the left, Phil Foden. In the center, we've got Gravenberg and Jude. Uh, okay. Attacking mid, Pedri. Right mid, I had Ferran. You have him up top, I have him on the right. And my striker is, and this is not a best 11, 
Okay, I, I got it. This is not my best 11. It is kind of the most interesting 11 to me. Uh, oh, those cool. that I really am excited about watching. And that's, I, I got to see what Alexander Izak can do. Um, so mm-hmm. he's, he's starting up top for me to see if he can even um, step into one, one of Zlatan's footprints. <laughs> one of his footprints. We, we need to be excited. Be... We need to be yeah. excited about Isaac because Isaac right now, I think his future is a little bit doubtful. So we did see some rumors of Arsenal snatching him up. So I like some mentions there. And we don't have Musiala. No. Eric Garcia wasn't wasn't too. And you got Gravenberch, which, understandable. (laughs) Understandable. Fantastic. He's not starting today, though. He's not starting today. Um, And that's why I I was – my eyes were open when I looked at that 11. But Yuri and Timber will start uh, at center back. He will start today, but – Eventually, <laughs> it's Gravenberch. It's like Thanos. Gravenberch <laughs> is inevitable. Okay. <laughs> so no, seriously, he's. I I I I do reckon he's 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 the future of the Netherlands. So we got the under twenty ones uh, of the Euros wrapped up. Uh, yeah, we got. Do we really need to go to the next topic? Oh, the under twenty one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well you know, how about how about this i'll pause it i'll pause it for one second because i do want to say one of the other really really amazing things of those those opener games which by the way have been pretty amazing pretty great to watch i gotta say aside from the sleeper that was wales switzerland kind of fell mm-hmm. asleep a couple times um <laughs> i i gotta say that belgian team i am the guy i am the guy that mm-hmm. said belgium was going to get hurt by kdb's absence look Lukaku, man. I mean, you're talking about inevitable. Lukaku's inevitable. Different and, breed, man. Uh, my God. It, it, it is, he has taken a step up. And I think it's, you know, you and I don't necessarily get to watch as much Syria as we would probably like. Uh, and there's also not enough time in the day <laughs> necessarily to the amount of uh, football we watch. But he has been something else since he's joined Inter. And I don't know why any of us would have even thought that there would be a lack of uh, service for him or a lack of difference making for him. Um, and he just basically said, you know, like Russia on the, on his shoulder, just brushed him mm-hmm. off. Um, and I got to say an amazing moment to see him run over to that camera and say, you know, we love you, Christian. Oh, yeah, 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 we love you, Chris. So that was, that was freaking awesome. So but Lukaku is shining even without Conte though, because Conte played to, uh, Lukaku's strengths and now in the World Cup we this is the testament that he is really world-class yeah, yeah. Lukaku is really world-class Lukaku is the type of player a center back looks at the team sheet and says oh, yeah it's gonna be a long night for me I'm gonna hurt after this game yeah <laughs> it uh, won't be easy so is he is he your golden boot favorite now I mean we haven't seen Mbappe play yet but I think Mbappe I think Mbappe is going to go off this 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 in these Euros I think Mbappe is my golden boot okay. pick yeah but Lukaku I, I, will be up there too yeah Lukaku I'll just say there. to be different that I I pick Lukaku but I'll, I'll tell you what they've got other issues now that they have to deal with we've talked about how Belgium might have a little bit of trouble with kind of defensive frailties older defense that sort of thing. And they did. They lost Timothy Castagna, which I believe the way that they play is tough. Obviously, mm-hmm. Thomas uh, Munier came in and, and did a wonderful job. I believe he actually he scored a goal. Yeah. 
Um, so they've they've plugged the gap for now. But yeah, if Kate, if De Bruyne needs to miss another game, if Witzel doesn't actually come back, you know, you're you're now you're dropping like flies when it comes to that defense. But uh, <laughs> versus Russia, who didn't even look like they wanted to be in their own home stadium, um, they look just fine. They look, I mean, they just wiped them, wiped them I clean. Agree. So um, anyway, I want to we wanted to end on that positive point before we get to a very low low for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very low, 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 because I was like preaching, <laughs> preaching that Portugal was going to win the under 21 tournament, that this, it was going to be the first time ever in history that a team would win the under 17, under 19, and the under 21s. But I got to give credit to Germany. Florian Wirtz, I am starting to get in. I, he's a, He was in my top five. Uh, was it under 20? No, under 20 yeah. players that we yeah. did at the start. And Florian Wirtz is understandably one of the best talents coming up. Yeah. Uh, and I just wanted to say Germany won the under 21 tournament in 2009 with Ozil mm -hmm. in 2017 with Gnabry and now in 21, 2021 with Florian Wirtz. So it's the passing on the torch of the superstars that are coming yeah. up in this Germany system. And before I ask you what went wrong with Portugal, uh, mm. I got to say some things about Germany too. Um, th this is a team that nine months ago uh, during qualifying, they got, they got beat hard by Belgium. Okay. Mm. Four, four, one, I think it was. And uh, I believe the coach afterwards, uh, Stefan Kuntz um, came out and he basically said, you know, this is a weak age group. This is not, these are not my guys. This, this mm -hmm. is not that good, you know? Okay. And that's not word for word. So don't, don't quote me on that. Uh, but he basically said that it's very unlikely that they have the quality to win the euros, uh, let alone qualify for it. Now that could have been a motivational tactic, right? Um, because oh, they, they, yeah, they kicked on from there and you do, you have to look across that roster and across that eleven. And you see uh, Nico Schlatterbeck, who had a monstrous game against Portugal. Mm -hmm. um, I think he had eight clearances. He was he was pretty much all over the place. I mean, him and Amos Pieper, Pieper, I don't know how to mm -hmm. say his last name. Uh, they they were pretty good um, throughout the knockout rounds, uh, and, and they formed a really good center back. They like kind of knew what was going on with each other. And then you've got their kind of talisman in the middle, uh, beyond Beards, right. was uh, Nicholas Dorsch. Okay. This is a Bayern castoff. Okay, he did not. He did not. You know, impress at Bayern. He then went, I believe, to Heidenheim, who is uh, now they're in the Bundesliga, but they weren't in the Bundesliga when he was there. Um, and then he just moved over to Ghent, who had a pretty bad year in the in the Belgian league. Um, but it, it, these are all guys that are that absolutely should take the next step up. Nothing mm -hmm. against Freiburg, where Schlatterbeck plays. Nothing against. Uh, Ghent where, where Dorsch plays but these are guys that you see something there in a team setup these guys could really take that next uh, next step up and I think they will after this mm -hmm. tournament uh, but Dorsch in my opinion was probably I don't I don't think he was actually voted best player of the entire tournament I could that be wrong was, that was no 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 the best player of the tournament was Fabio Vieira Right, yeah, Fabio Vieira, but I think Dorsch would have been a you know an easy easy second place. He's well, been very good for them. 
the man of the match against Portugal, and I gotta say it, like I was triggered because Abdou Conte couldn't stop Baku. No. This right back is un. But you warned me. Yeah. You warned not not me. You warned us, everyone that's listening, on the podcast before the tournament even started. That this Baku is a threat, and she was lethal. He, I think, don't get me. I think he has the most assists in the competition. And man of the match against Portugal, what a player. Another player I like to highlight was Diogo Costa. Portugal didn't win, but Diogo Costa made sure we didn't win by, by three or four. Like, he saved so many balls. Like, Diogo Costa, what a hero. If you're listening to this, <laughs> you're a hero. Uh, but uh, And I'd like to highlight, too, Fabio Vieira. Fabio Vieira and Vitinho, obviously, too. Like, sure. but we're gonna get. I'm gonna talk about Vitinha in the next topic. But Fabio Vieira. So right now he's in his la. He's gonna enter his last year of contract at Porto. And we right now we need to see the situation as it is. So this summer, we might see Fabio Vieira leaving Porto, because mm -hmm. or he extends his contract, or he leaves. And another player leaving for 10, 15 million with this amount of quality. UEFA Youth League winner at Porto, that shows a problem. That is yeah. a problem. Porto needs to know how to use these youngsters at Olival. Tomás Teves. Like, I want to see Tomás Teves next season playing at Porto. I don't know. I think he can do it. I watched some games at Reading. But Fabio mm -hmm. Vieira, what's going to happen? He's, uh, I think the Bundesliga would be a really good league for him. Even the Prem, maybe. Wolves. Okay. It's it's not crazy. Ajax, he's he's that type of player. Technically gifted, really good roaming. He can be everywhere. He can go on the wing. He can. He's a bit like Foden in that type of in the in that type of sense. He's right. very very good. Well, well, and I'd like to highlight too Arne Meyer, the the midfielder. He got a hundred percent pass accuracy against po uh, Portugal. Important passes were made during that game. Yeah. And I think he's an Armenia B-field uh, player. Awesome. So, yeah. underrated. He's off the radar for a lot of clubs, I think. Well, so, watch well, out. He's good. Speak, he's good. Right. But speaking about off the radar, uh, that is something we, we got to bring up here. Um, mm -hmm. In that German lineup, there was not a Bayern Munich player. There was not a Dortmund player. There was not a Red Bull Leipzig player. Mm -hmm. Um you had your pro your most high-profile players were probably Wirtz, right, at Leverkusen, mm -hmm. and uh, Baku at Wolfsburg, who had a phenomenal, uh, just an, an amazing year. Um, so mm -hmm. that, that just goes to show you that these these uh, there, there's a team sense there um, that it goes beyond. Um, I don't know. That's we just could have we could have seen we could have seen Nunez there, Jean Felix there, Jamal Musiala there, Yusufa Mukoko there. So the yeah. amount of talent we still could have seen in this tournament, yeah. it's we live in a special generation now. The, yeah. These these players are studs. At such a young age, it's, and I want I forgot to mention this in the Euros um, section, but I want I can mention it here. Diogo Dalot mm -hmm. being called up to the first team, uh, big blow. João Cancelo not being in Portugal's Portugal's lineup anymore, but Diogo Dalot, I'm not gonna say he's the same level because he isn't right now, but is he a player that I think Portugal will would see 
in five years' time in the selection? Yes. Do I think he's going to mature with this experience? Yes. So uh, I would have, I think, Ricard Pereira, I don't know how he's right now uh, coming back from injury, how how he's feeling. But if Ricard Pereira was fully fit, I think he should have got the pick. But if he was doubtful, good pick with Yogdalo. I would pick Yogdalo ahead of Cedric too. I would have picked him. So, something I just have to bring up here. It, it from Jao Cancelo to uh, to Dayan uh, Kulusevski to Matthias uh, Svanberg to Sergio Busquets. We are still talking about COVID now. I mean, the fact of the matter is that they they didn't uh, mandate essentially vaccinations heading into this tournament, and you've just got some real talent either heading home for the tournament or. Uh, we're waiting on you know further news about whether Dayon can uh, uh, actually play, but he's going to miss the first game. He well, will the miss Portuguese, the, game the Portuguese team was vaccinated. Like I think yeah. some teams are vaccinating the teams. <laughs> yeah, and and also the you know with the Spanish team after the Busquets, right? They had that like satellite parallel eleven that was uh, in another bubble, and then they had the army come in to vaccinate them. But they're you you remember what it was like to get vaccinated, right? I mean, true. Yeah, you don't feel the same right away uh it takes a little while so it's going to be interesting to see how it affects but it's just it just sucks that we're even still talking about it for this well, um and that we're going to miss out on a Cancelo who was phenomenal i mean fantastic goal against israel what a yeah. goal yeah. so yeah that's the under 21 tournament wrapped up it was yeah. a fantastic tournament like even with the portuguese loss you can hear it in my voice <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go to a happy topic, especially for you. Yes. Uh, not for the Mexican people listening. Uh, <laughs> so I think you get what's going to happen now. We're going to talk about the match ag- ag- uh, from the U.S. against Mexico. Yeah, the CONCACAF League. Oh, entertaining. The that rivalry was... is back, baby. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, there there are a lot of things I actually don't like about what happened in that game. Okay, um, it was it was like two hours and forty minutes in length, two hours and fifty minutes in length because mm-hmm. there were projectiles thrown on the field. Uh, there were uh, discriminatory chants that the Mexican fans have been using for years, but ultimately in this day and age, it is it's just not acceptable. So there was a five minute stoppage for that. There were penalty kicks. There were you know. Uh, amazing uh, just amazing narratives all the way across so there were a lot of negatives with a lot of positives but in the end the rivalry is back um <laughs> after after five six seven years of uh basically mexico kicking the crap out of us um it, yeah it is really, really good to see it back uh, all across the board just there was banter there was you know uh, like weston mckinney getting his uh his neck uh, grabbed by somebody, him, you know, with his wand uh, celebration. Uh, Christian Pulisic showing everyone he can actually uh, finish a penalty kick. Uh, <laughs> a full stadium, full beers thrown from the stadium. I mean, there were, there was just so much uh, verve and excitement to that game that uh, I think it brought a lot of that, a lot of people back into the fold after mm-hmm. obviously what happened in the World Cup, uh, or I'm sorry, what didn't happen in the World Cup. Um, and it just, it might show that, that this is that COVID advantage, actually that Mm. extra six months, five months, four months that they had to push back this final. Um, you had guys like 
Adams performing for Leipzig. You had guys like McKenney yes. scoring goals for Juventus and Pulisic and getting healthy. Um, but Gio Reyna. Gio Reyna. I mean, he just, as an 18-year-old in a U.S.-Mexico final. Oh, I love them. I love them. He was so mature. He was yeah. so mature. And I like that you mentioned too McKenney. I mm-hmm. think McKenney is the glue of this team. I the agree. spirit, the the way he plays, he's he's vital. And Tyler Adams loves him. Oh Keanu. my gosh. The, the yeah. US, you got studs now. Now yeah. I can it's official. The US have studs. Pulisic, McKenney, Tyler Adams, Girena. All of yeah. them studs. Well, I gotta, I gotta say something. I'm gonna rehash this because you and I, yeah, you know, we've we've known each other a little while now, and we've we've often been back and forth about this. And I did say something a while back that mm. uh, it wasn't via phone, so I couldn't exactly hear mm-hmm. uh, the the uh, the what the hell are you talking about in your voice. <laughs> Uh, but I did say to you that that Weston McKenney and Tyler Adams were going to be the two most important, likely, oh, yeah. for the future of the United States men's oh, national team oh, moving no. forward, more so than Christian Pulisic. I am not yes. saying Christian Pulisic is not important because absolutely he is. Um, but that Adams and McKenney has that glue. Um, this is a fact. You told uh, me Tyler Adams was going to be a more important player in the yeah. future than Pulisic. He's going to be crucial for us in qualifying. So it was good to see him mm-hmm. back. From, he's He's been uh, nursing that back injury and they brought him into camp. Um, but, everyone was hopeful he was going to play, but they didn't expect him to actually play a, a role in extra time. But let's just, I got to walk through kind sorry. of some of the narratives. I won't go chronologically, but you know, this was a game that started off in the worst possible way for the Americans, right? Uh, Mark McKenzie, who's near and dear to my heart as a Philadelphia Union Academy uh, graduate, uh, makes the move to Genk, uh, actually starts a lot for Genk, wins a cup. Um, And he then, because uh, Aaron Long uh, busted his ACL, Chris Richards, who I also love for the future, uh, Hoffenheim center back, Byron uh, Byron Bread, uh, FC Dallas Byron Bread, Hoffenheim um, raised, if you will. Yeah, and... uh, you know, we had we had a little thinness at the back, okay? Mm-hmm. And ultimately, you, you needed Mark McKenzie to step up. And in the first minute, unfortunately, uh, he plays an errant pass, trying to play out of the back. Boom. It, it, goal, right? Roofed yeah. over Zach Steffen's head. One zip in, like, the first couple minutes. And boom, we're like, this is going to be a couple years all over again. Um, and then they get that goal, you know? A Weston McKenney who somehow rises above. It's the life. I don't get it. I don't get the kid. The kid is listed as six foot, but he jumps as if he's six, <laughs> six, seven. It's the Ronaldo effect with him. It's with unbelievable, that, man. The, the I, it, yeah. And Gio was there at the right place, right time. Caromed well, off the, uh, the post. In, I, I, but we need to, off. we need, I, I, we're talking a lot about the U S talent and I feel like we need to highlight Diego Lainez. Absolutely. And I want to say he shouldn't have gone to Real Betis. He should have gone to an Eredivisie first. A team like Ajax would have been Absolutely. such a good fit. I even think that Lainez, it wouldn't be such a big deal for me if he would come as a Sancho. I think if he were to come, Dortmund would get two players. Lainez as a risk and a more Julian Brandt type player as a, a safeguard, a safe option, let's say. But Diego Lainez, like I really think there's a, there's a rivalry there. I mean, like, pound for pound for pound, 
that, you know, he's not a big guy. And the, the skill he has, the skill and he has in that body. Powerful. He is. You can't put him down. Like, yeah. it's he's the, the dribble, extremely fast, really good uh, in terms of uh, pace, physically, and the notion. That's what impressed me. The cut inside and the notion when to speed up. Like he's he's really the awareness. He's got very good awareness. I'm a hundred percent. I'm a hundred percent with you. He needs to find a place to go where he can play day in day out. And, I agree. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Porto or Sporting would be a good fit too. I know the Portuguese narrative, blah blah blah. But if Sporting don't get Marcus Edwards, Lainez would be an interesting option. Or even Leeds, like with uh, Bielsa. Rafinha is there. I could see Lainez doing a Rafinha type. A, t- a type of ty- uh, type of tactics. I don't know. I could be going off here. Yeah, I think uh, Rafinha, Rafinha at least has a, a little volume to his body. Lainez <laughs> might get uh, clattered. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Betis is not the right choice, and he needs to move on. Um, mm-hmm. And Irving Lozano was in a in a Chucky Lozano was in a relatively similar situation, and he finally. Yes, yeah, he finally found what he needed. Uh, finally broke through at Napoli, and he's been doing pretty well there. So. Um, but yeah, Linez is one that I, I know we're going to see over qualifying again. I don't know if he's going to be in a starting 11 because Mexico does have a pretty strong 11. They're just not playing that well together. But if there's somebody that's going to mm-hmm. bring them together again, it's going to be Tata Martina. Um, and, uh, you know, this, this, like is, this isn't over. And, um, but this was the, uh, the big bragging rights, um, you know, the, the new CONCACAF Nations League final. Uh, and it did all the games, the semifinal games um, and the final game uh, brought us back and actually provide, provided us a really nice, um, what's the word, proxy for what World Cup qualifying is like in our region. <laughs> As Very, a European, uh, like, I'm excited now to watch the U.S. play against Mexico. Like, that's yeah. an added match that I'm going to put on my watch list. Yeah, so... well... Just wait until they play in Estadio Azteca. If we can somehow beat Mexico in Azteca, <laughs> ooh, I will be a happy, happy person. But uh, I but, can feel the rage in Mexico right now just by you saying that. <laughs> I know, but but there were other there were other um, moments there, and uh, we also got a spotlight a guy that's not well. He's a wonder kid in in mm. goalkeeper years. Um, so Zach Steffen had to go out. Uh, I think it was a groin or a hammy. Um, mm-hmm. Something went late in the game. And uh, Ethan Horvath, uh, who was kind of a – he's a cast-off at Club Bruges, um, actually was a starter, uh, made a couple mistakes, and then they signed Mignolet, and he got kind of relegated to the sideline and barely played this year, uh, even though they they won the title. Talk um, about a good cast-off. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and he comes in and he makes a couple brilliant saves in extra time. Um, then there's the Christian Pulisic penalty kick goal pretty late on in the second half of uh, extra time. The save. And, uh, and then Andres Guardado uh, gets a penalty kick on a Mark McKenzie, uh, a Mark McKenzie handball. Um, and he gets the chance to tie it up and send it into penalties. And uh, Ethan Horvath stones him. Stones him. It was great. <laughs> I love it. I love it how passionate you are. And that's that's what it is. This is football. And I'm so excited. American fans. Now they're happy. They're happy. This is this is history. 
We are watching history happening in the States. Yeah, well, it's, oh. it's, it's a rivalry brought back to life, and it's going to be exciting moving forward. But uh, I can't say enough about Weston McKinney. Um, Timothy Weah, when he came on, was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a friendly played the other day where we just brushed aside a, a Costa Rican team that normally gives us some trouble. Uh, mm-hmm. And we used, you know, Brendan Aronson, who's been great. Uh, that's another guy you're going to have to watch moving forward. Daryl DK. Mm-hmm. Get Chris Richards back in the fold. Actually, play Eunice Musa. This is a this is a team that had an average age of twenty four. Caden Clark. Caden Clark. Yeah, well, we got to first call him up. But yeah, uh, he there's a lot more to watch, and and we'll be watching it. But oh, but you know he's I, coming. You know, I could go on and on about this. Um, <laughs> I just think if you're not paying attention on the other side of the pond, mm-hmm. uh, do so because Whoa. Mexico does have some youngsters as well and we can highlight them in the future but uh canada right now with jonathan david davies alfonso davies um uh, i mean and the u.s moving forward man it's gonna be football is becoming more and more global it is and it's it's fantastic to watch so let's go to the next topic that's it's always a great success let's say and it's the transfer talks and going on with the the U.S. narrative, I, I I I'm dying to ask you this question, and it is where do you think Tyler Adams should go? Oh, because God. with McKenney, I think McKenney's talent we've seen. I I don't want to say we've seen his ceiling, but I think we've seen a lot with McKenney, and with Tyler Adams, I think there's still a lot more to improve, and I do I do see the the growth. That can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where do you think would be the best club for Tyler Adams to go next? Yeah, yeah. well, I, I don't think he should leave. Um, I think mm. he's in a very, very good situation. You have an American coach coming in, uh, Jesse Marsh. You have someone who has coached him coming mm-hmm. in. Um, and you have uh, somebody that uh, played a very attractive style of football at Salzburg um, and will likely get the chance to do the same there and he i think very much sees him hopefully hopefully as a six um instead of as kind of a right back uh you know slot in utility man um the way nagelsman did um Mm. with him so i really do think he should stay stay. but i do know that there have been um reports surfacing and and relatively credible uh reports surfacing about arsenal's arsenal's yeah interest in him uh but frankly if i'm arsenal uh, if you're looking at a right back, okay, and I do know mm. they want the versatility too. I, I, I don't think, yeah, yeah, I don't think you should look any further than Baku. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. yeah, Baku's a safe pick. If Bellerin's leaving Arsenal, if we make an Arsenal rebuild, Baku would be a perfect fit at right back. I'm yeah. with you. Yeah. I'm with you. And I wanted to say, going with Arsenal, Emil Buendia went to Aston Villa. And uh, it was reportedly said that he snubbed Arsenal. Oof. And if that's the case, I'm not surprised. Yeah. They had the chance of getting Buendia last season, I think. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the agents are very happy. I'm not. I'm speculating here. But if Aston Villa, if they are keeping Grealish, Buendia uh-huh. is... That's a good duo. That's a dynamic duo. I mean, Ollie Watkins has got to be, well, oh. sitting, sitting at home, I guess, now, right? Sitting at home going, man, thank God. This and, this is amazing. <laughs> plus Mings. Mings is there. And yeah. I could see them sn- signing a, another midfielder. 
Uh, I'm seeing a lot of midfielder names going to going to the Prem. You got Tyler Adams, you said, to, to Arsenal. And yeah. now going to Mateusz Nunes to Everton. With Nunes Spiritsant, uh, Mateusz Nunes, what, what should Everton fans expect with him? Well, I can say that he's a very similar type of player to Tom Davis. He's the type of player that you're in trouble, you give him the ball, he conducts the ball to the other half. Very good on pressure, always a reliable option, and he works non-stop. He's the type of player that goes up and down non-stop. So, that's what I think Nunes Spiritsen wants him because of the pressure in the Premier League. And he wants a midfielder to always be pressurizing other teams. So, I think... It's a good buy. If it's 20 million, it's a good buy. 25, 30, I think Sporting's stretching it. It's a good deal for Sporting. But 20 million, I think it's a good deal for both sides. Now, now if, if uh, Espirito uh, Santo is going to Everton, uh, mm-hmm. we, know, we know that it took several years for him to basically transform Wolves into the Portugal U21, 23 team. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> who else are you going to bring in at, at Everton that, that might fit there um, if that's the case? Well, if if going through this narrative of Portuguese players, I think it would yeah. be interesting uh, getting a Trinca on loan. Mm. This is me thinking quickly, okay? This is not <laughs> me uh, putting deep thoughts into where Everton rebuilt, but I, I think Everton, they got Ben Godfrey uh, at centre-back. They got they mm, Ancelotti. You yeah. see, that's what I think Ancelotti did at Everton. He created such a good core. You know, it became a solid, stable team in every front. You know, and well, he, he also got the most out of players. Right? I, I and I do think they're gonna dip. I don't think Nunspiritz sent. I'm. I hate being the person that goes. I don't think Paul Fonseca nor Nunspiritsen will go well in the Prem. I think Brunelage will succeed in the Prem because Brunelage, we would just go on to this topic. Brunelage has too many, has Vitinha, has a, uh, an asset like Fabio Silva. People are sleeping on Fabio Silva now. And I, I'm going to remind you, he scored four goals. He's 18. He's bulking up. You can see him. I, I like... Look, uh, I watch his Insta stories, and you can see his back. He, he's doing some pull-ups. The guy's getting a back, a proper back. So he's becoming... And I, I heard his personal trainer is Goretzka on loan. Is that correct? <laughs> so, <laughs> so you, we, 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 I could see just like Jean-Felix had a huge uh, rise up in his price with Brunelage. Also Florentino, Olsen Jetson. All their stocks risen with Brunelage. I can see it happening with Pedro Neto, Vitinha, and Fabio Silva. Doubling price, to say the least. And just in the under-21 European Championship, Vitinha doubled the price. 17.5? 30 million for the amount of talent I saw there. Look, it's acceptable in my opinion. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 a lot of options. And I'm, again, Tottenham, what are you doing? Like... <laughs> Are we no? This is I want to say this. Like Tottenham lose? No, they don't lose. They fire Mourinho. Okay, which was very dubious before a cup final, which is right. Mourinho's special speciality. If you were, which to he ask counts me. as a half victory, right? 
come on, like Mourinho, he's going to brag about that. Like you sacked me before a cup final. You don't know I'm the special. I'm joking. But uh, this showed, in my opinion, that Tottenham are thinking about the money. They're not thinking about success. And because if they were thinking about success, Conte will have the paper signed. And they know Harry Kane's leaving. Uh, Paul Fonseca did an amazing job in a kind of rebuild with Roma, playing good football. Roma plays good football. I'm not. I'm not going to say that uh, Tottenham are going to play bad football and they're going to look horrible. They won't. But are they going to surpass Man City, Man United, Chelsea, and Liverpool? No chance. No chance. Tottenham is going to be top four next season. Like no chance because we're going to see maybe Chelsea getting Haaland. I think Chelsea's going to get Haaland. And the reason why I think Chelsea's going to get Haaland, it's simple. Roman Abramovich must be all over the moon right now. He won, again, firing a coach, the Champions League. First, he won it with Di Matteo, now with Thomas Tuchel. He must be thinking, I am going to get a striker for this team because they deserve it. And Haaland, he doesn't mind. He It's 10 years. It's ten. It won't be ten years because Kyle will push a move before. But Holland and Akimi, if these two players come to Chelsea, the Prem is gonna be bonkers next season. Yeah. What, what do the What do the kids say? It's gonna be lit. I mean, <laughs> lit. It, it is. Uh, I, I think that's been phased out. Actually, I I just showed my age. Um, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> It is an instance. If, if your fire sale, if, if you're, you've got a fire sale for what 13, 14 players they're looking to offload this season, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you, you, and you have a war chest to begin with. Yeah, I mean, going after Connor, Gallagher, right? Matter. What was that? Connor uh, uh, Gallagher, the Chelsea. Oh yeah, uh, Connor yeah. Gallagher should. I mean, he was he was up there in a couple stat categories, at least from a U twenty three perspective last year in the Premier League. But it, it is an instance of if if you can get him. Get them. Worry about tactics later. If you can yes. get a Holland, if you can get a Hakimi, I get it. Reese James is phenomenal. I love mm-hmm. it. You can also, we know he can play in a center back setup or at least be uh, trained to do so. Exactly. But, but if you can get a Hakimi, you get him. And uh, if you can get him at a, you know, a, a decent price, you definitely go for that too. I mean, James is only what, 20? So it, it's you need competition. You do need the competition and you're going to have Hell of a lot of competition. I mean, these guys play 60 fixtures a year, uh, especially if they're in the Champions League. Oh, yeah. it, I I get it. I get it. Tuchel with Hakimi is scary, if you were to ask me. Because you you saw what happened with Reese James with Tuchel. Like, the, the improvement that the fullbacks had with Thomas Tuchel was, was yeah. to say, it was very seen, you know? So, if Hakimi goes there, instead of maybe selling Hakimi... Maybe Lukaku. Mm-hmm. I think after Chelsea, because this is the transfers roundup, the last topic. I think if Chelsea get Haaland, then City are pressurized into getting Harry Kane. Because Sancho, I think, is going to United. So these are the three domino effects I think might happen. Kane to City, uh, Sancho to United, and Haaland to Chelsea. <sighs> Liverpool. What's Liverpool going to do? Like, they need a new uh, Gini Wijnaldum replacement. And PSG getting Donnarumma and Wijnaldum? Mm. But not Hakimi. 
No Hakimi though. Like it's like and I, I, he is the type of player that he will cause a difference. Like yeah. the team he goes. I don't know, but if if I were Hakimi, I'd go to the Prem. You he he wins in every aspect. Yes, he'll win the league probably at PSG, but come on, look at the look at the the challenge that it is going up against a Pep Guardiola with City. Yeah. The club. Would you? I I saw the the midfielder role. At, uh, going back to that with Liverpool, do you have any any player you have in mind for that? Position? Ooh, off the top of my head, um, no, I don't. I don't. Gra- I gotta Gravenberch. Gravenberch I mean, would be. Uh, it it would, but I don't think he's for sale yet. Uh, hmm. Everybody's always for sale, right? Um, it it depends on what they'd be willing to offload for him. Um, but I'm just trying to think within the actual system. If you got anybody, uh, you obviously know you're going to want to play Curtis Jones a whole lot more next year, but that's a completely different. He should player. play. He should yeah. play. He's deserved it. He yeah. just like Foden had the 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 stepping stones, the moments in which we say, "Oh, he's improved. Oh, he's mm-hmm. improved." Curtis Jones, we can say we've been watching him improve slowly but steady. Mm-hmm. Uh, another very overlooked talent, if you were to ask me, but. It's the Prem now. Like, is Fed Bodman too? I saw that he might go to the Prem. But Atalanta is tr- trying to snatch him up. Romero, good center back. He might leave too. So, yeah. a lot After of options. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there there are a lot of options. And, and due to COVID, there are a lot of teams that used to not necessarily be willing to sell that are most certainly willing to sell. Um, yeah, and a guy like Romero, that makes it does kind of make a little sense. Um, but and Romero's Romero's got a test. He's got. I want to see him. Copa America starts today, and mm-hmm. I want to see him be able to lead that back line um, because he. I think I've said this before. He's an absolute key to their future and to their World Cup prospects. As I you know, know, Messi gets a little bit older, um, and also I can't wait to see I, Buendia um, in the Copa America. See what he can do for Argentina. I agree. Uh, but ultimately, when it comes down to it, yeah, from a uh, from a Wijnaldum, uh, you're you know what? That's that's homework. Episode nine. Exactly. We'll I was going to say that. Like we're here at the end right now. Yeah. If you're still here with us, thank you so much for the support. Like yeah. all the comments on TikTok, we try to answer all of them. Like the community, I am so happy about. Like I'm so grateful of what of the growth, everything that's happening. Like it's, I'm so happy about it. Thank you guys. 10 K on YouTube, TikTok booming. And yeah, if you could like the video and like our other videos, please, that'd be huge help. If you want to help out, that's how you can help out subscribing, liking all our videos and yeah, commenting. Cause I'll answer your comments. Like we'll, we'll make sure we answer all of them. And look, I mean, I don't think we have an Easter egg or anything, but um, but there will be developments in the future. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we, we do plan on doing other things, um, but we really do appreciate everybody, um, even even those that are mildly negative about what we do, uh, just fuels us and, and makes us a little more um, fired up. But as you can tell, Alex gets a whole lot more fired up than I do about things. <laughs> you know? well, God, he gets the youth. Me happy is like this, and me me sad is like this. Sorry, <laughs> you know. But but we're really excited about the future, and um and yeah, keep keep uh, keep talking to us. We try and obviously get to as many comments as possible. Mm-hmm. So it's wrapped up. 
Thank you for listening to us. Episode 8 wrapped up. See you next week, guys. So long. <laughs>